Congregation, before we read Scripture, I want to read Lord's Day 52 with you because there are some things said there that pertain to our Scripture reading. And I want to really have you understand this. And so let us first turn then to Lord's Day 52 in the back of your Psalter, page 87. Which is the sixth petition? Answer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment. And besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our flesh, cease not to assault us, do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare. And I just want to underline that, spiritual warfare. But constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. How do you conclude your prayer? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. That is, all these we ask of thee, because thou, being our King and Almighty, art willing and able to give us all good, and all this we pray for, that thereby not we, but thy holy name may be glorified forever. What does the word Amen signify? Amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be, for my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I, can, I feel in my heart that I desire these things of him. So far then, our guide, the Heidelberg Catechism. And then we come to our scripture reading. As we have it this time in Ephesians chapter 6, as we will begin reading at verse 10 up to and including the last verse of that chapter. Turn with me then to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning at verse 10. Hear God's holy and inspired word. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, 
that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but that you may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. So far then, the reading of this portion of God's Holy Word. I do want to draw your attention particularly to verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And so this is what the Word of God calls us to, that we engage in prayer and congregation, even as I am proclaiming the Word. It would not be wrong for any of us to every once in a while breathe a prayer to God. May that also be true in my life. Yes, yes, this is what we want to hear. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, how ready are you to wage spiritual warfare? With the sixth petition, we are asking God, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil or from the evil one. And as we do, we then already confess that temptation is an undesirable thing. In fact, I can say more than that. We could say that temptation is and constitutes an enemy of the Christian faith. And as such, we, as we confess ourselves to be Christians indeed, we cannot and we, we, we should not live in peaceful terms with any spiritual enemies, including temptation. Let us therefore explore this by way of what we can learn from Lord's Day 52 and on the basis of what we read in Ephesians chapter 6 particularly, let us do so by the following theme and division. A petition in the, most, in the midst of spiritual warfare. A petition in the midst of spiritual warfare. We confess that the army is weak. Secondly, we fear that the enemy is strong. Thirdly, we know that help is present. And fourthly, we rejoice that the victory is sure. Now, congregation, what are we saying when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil? Let me first say something negatively. We are not praying that God would keep us away from any and all spiritual warfare and away from the fray of battle. We are not praying here that God would keep us and our spiritual enemies far at a distance from each other, out of sight and out of range. Because, after all, such a thing would really be unrealistic, wouldn't it be? Because we would then have to be taken out of this world if we don't want to see our enemies or having to battle with them. We cannot, 
And we should therefore not pray for escape from spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare, you see, is a necessary part of any and all Christian life. And this spiritual warfare is, is waged on the battlefield of temptation. On the battlefield of temptation. You see, temptations are a fact of life, aren't they? Not to think so would be unrealistic. In fact, there's something blessing, invigorating about facing temptations in a in spiritual battle array. It should get your spiritual adrenaline flowing, so to speak. This is why we are told, for instance, in James chapter 1 and verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. Well, now, who does the tempting, you might ask? Our spiritual enemies, and then Satan in particular. Satan will tempt us to try to make us fall in one or the other sin. This, of course, is what happened to Simon Peter one time, as you can read in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked you, and Jesus says this, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. You see, Simon Peter was at that moment like a grain of wheat with a lot of chaff all around it. And Satan put Simon Peter on a sieve and he began to shake him violently, trying to make him fall through that sieve. In other words, temptations will come at us as they did to Simon Peter. And therefore, as Christians, you and I, we need to pray Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, in a positive sense, this means, and I want to say this in my own words, Our Father, do not lead us helplessly or without defense into temptation. Do not give us over into it. Do not abandon us in it. Let us not be defeated or be overcome by it. Lead us not as a sacrifice into any of Satan's temptations. Now, why should we pray this way? Well, because as spiritual soldiers and as a spiritual army, you and I are and must confess ourselves to be weak. We must confess ourselves to be weak. Our catechism also puts this particular confession in, on our lips when it says, Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand for a moment. And dear people, it is therefore very helpful to understand that, yes, we are weak in ourselves, aren't we? Weak in ourselves. And that it is good for us that we confess this to God in heaven as we stand on that spiritual battlefield of temptations. Lord, I can't do it in my own strength. I am weak. So there are people. It is helpful to understand, therefore, that we are weak and that we confess this to God. As a Christian, it is not 
helpful, and I'm speaking negatively now, as a Christian, it is not helpful to yourself or to anyone else that you show to be overconfident in your own strength and in your abilities. It's not helpful. Overconfidence is bad as you wage war because the wage war capabilities will then be offset by a fall very soon. The Bible says, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Now, when you have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the first lessons that you will learn is that you cannot rely on human strength, on human abilities, on your own, not on that of others, and that it would be in your interest to acknowledge God for this. Of course, and I must say this as well, if you have not yet come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, temptations are really like fool's gold to you. And I trust you know what I mean by fool's gold. It means that you love temptations and you thrive on temptations. But as it says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 19, those temptations will actually bring you on the verge of total ruin. Total ruin. And therefore, I plead with you, if you are not yet Christian, if you have not yet come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your love of temptations. Seek forgiveness with God Himself and ask that He would give you faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well now, having come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is indeed a wonderful experience, isn't it? But it does require of each and every one of us to think very reasonably about this. And one of the first things that it requires of you is this that you begin to think less of yourself. After some experience as a believer on the battlefield of temptation, you will admit then that you do not have what it takes in yourself to put down and to slay whatever temptation comes at you. And therefore, it will be helpful for you to learn as soon as possible to confess to the Lord God with the words of our catechism, lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand for a moment. Now, strange as it may sound, dear people, but for a good spiritual warfare on the battlefield of temptation, it is necessary to confess that the army is weak. Well then, that's something else necessary for us to find ourselves properly on the battlefield of temptation. Let me speak in the second place. We fear that the enemy is strong. Congregation, besides willing to confess personal weakness, you should also have the healthy fear for the strength of the enemy. And what I mean by the strength of the enemy is that the enemy whom we face on the battlefield of temptation should never be underestimated. And I'm afraid 
that many Christians have been neutralized by the enemy's propaganda, which says, they're not really harmful. Temptations are not harmful. You can make a choice and, you know, you can leave it and so on. It's a propaganda of the enemies. Let me give you an example what such propaganda can do. Just before the Second World War, 1939, the German government engaged in vigorous propaganda by telling the nations around that they had nothing to fear from Germany. We, so it was proclaimed, we Germans are harmless. We are peace-loving. And it was successful propaganda as well, because by and large, the nations around believed it. And while those nations were asleep in the ruse that they had nothing to fear from Germany and from its leaders, the tanks rolled in and the German invading forces were amongst them. And so my fellow believers, our enemies have done some very vigorous propaganda work in Christian circles and in Christian churches. They've made many people convinced that they are harmless, that, that temptations are harmless, and that Christians really have nothing to fear from them. They just have to make the right choice. And as a result, many Christians have fallen asleep in the ruse of false peace. They rub their eyes, they look around and say, hey, man, everything is calm around here. Temptation, no. Oh. Well, the truth is, the truth is that it isn't a peace at all, that it isn't calm at all. As believers in Jesus Christ, standing on the battlefield of temptation, we should be battle-ready, and we should always be in a state of alert. And as such, we should therefore have a healthy assessment of whom we must face, whom we must contend with, and what the strength of our opposition is really. And again, our catechism leads the way for us as well because it speaks of our enemy in plural, as enemies, and calls them by character, by name, and by their activities. It says, first of all, that they are our mortal enemies, which means that they have nothing less than our death in mind, particularly your and my spiritual death. They do not want to, to make it just a little miserable for us, a little bit uncomfortable for us. No, they want us to die. They want us to perish. They want us to perish both body and soul. That's what our enemies are about, you see. They're the worst type of enemies that we must face on the battlefield. And what sort of activities are they engaged in then? Well, again, our catechism spells it out for us. They cease not to assault us. Now, there you have it. This is what our mortal enemies are busy with, dear people. It is one long, continuous, never-ceasing 
kind of assault. They will accept no ceasefire. They attack during the day. They attack during the night. When we are sick, when we are healthy, in times of poverty, and in times of wealth and prosperity. Those enemies, they will assault us when we are working. They will assault us when we are relaxing, when we are engaged in playing games even. They will assault us at any time. And though you and I may get battle-weary, they never become battle-weary. Even in our solemn moments, when we are engaged with the Lord in prayer, those enemies are there to assault us. At one time, with some distracting thoughts, at another time, with an unholy desire that sort of rises up in you suddenly, or with a sudden dullness of heart that you just don't know what to pray anymore, or sudden sleepiness of head that you realize, hey, I've fallen asleep the last time I prayed. We know from experience, you see, that those enemies can assault us unrelentingly, particularly when we are engaged in prayer. They cease not to assault us, as the Catechism says. Well then, who are those mortal enemies? They are people, they are an unholy alliance of three enemies. The devil, the world, and our flesh, so we are told. And most often they join together to assault us. The devil, as it were, masterminds the assaults. The world provides the ammunition, and our own flesh opens the gates for those assaults. Sometimes one of the three becomes predominant in this assault and takes charge. Simon Peter, again, he knew about the assaults of the devil, and so he writes in his first letter, Peter 5, verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so, my fellow believers, we must have a healthy fear for this mortal and oldest enemy of our souls. He assaulted, after all, the first man and woman on earth, and he will assault the last one on earth as well. He comes sometimes with great force and sometimes with cunning trickery. And if his brute force does not move you, be sure that he will come and trick you sometime as well. He is a destroyer and a tempter. He, bl he blinds. He bewitches. He has been called a fox a lion and a wolf in sheep's clothing. He is an ape, that is, he is an unholy copycat of the Holy Spirit, and he is a seducer of nations, and no one had to contend with him more than our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is not for nothing, therefore, that the Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians 6 and verse 11, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the tricks of the devil. Sometimes, yes, sometimes it is the world that will assault us. And Jesus himself once said it, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. There is a 
hate relationship between the world and believers. Now understand me correct. This does not mean that believers should hate the people of the world. We should love them. In fact, Jesus Christ says that we are to love our enemies. We should therefore not hate the people of the world, but rather we should hate for what the world stands for and what many of the leaders in this world stand for particularly. All of that is an ally of the devil. This world will assault us in tempting ways, dear people. It does not often come to us in brute force, but with tempting salesmanship pitches. It will try to sell us on something that is rather physically attractive. Perhaps you feel strong enough to stand up to such temptations, and you will say, what the world has to offer, I can take or leave. But my friend, it is not a matter of remaining indifferent to the world, but it is a matter of hating the world. It is a matter of hating the world that tries to sell off things on you that are spiritually no good, that are spiritually devastating for you, it is truly fool's gold what the world has to offer. The Lord Jesus Christ himself once warned for this as well when he says, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? And it is for the same reason that the Apostle Paul says, Do not be conformed to this world. You and I, we are not to be conformed to this world. And one of the temptations of this world for us is that it will try to make us conform to its ways and to its manners that are prevalent in this particular age through certain pressure groups, groups that have become very dominant in this age and which are against Scripture. They want to show us that we uh, need to conform to their ways and we are to hate those approaches. And so we need a healthy fear for the strength of the enemy. Now there is also a third enemy yet, and that's your, our own flesh. It has been said that our flesh is like a traitor within its own walls. It opens the doors to the enemies that are outside, namely the devil and the world. It points the devil to our weak spots where he can enter in and it caters to the world and it is convenient for the world to enter in because our flesh will allow it. Our flesh is most often a very stubborn enemy and what I mean by our flesh, of course, as you know, it's our pride, it's our selfishness, it's our sinful desires, it's our tongue, it's our eyes, it's our hands, by which sin is committed. And honesty requires of each one of us that our flesh often stands in the way of progress in spiritual life. It never as the Catechism says, it never ceases to assault us. And if we are serious about putting down our flesh, we must have a healthy fear of its strength, strength of our flesh. Well then, 
with these three mortal enemies facing us on the battlefield of temptation, we do well to pray, Our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation. Do not abandon us to those powers, but deliver us from the evil. Now, why must we pray this, you might ask? Well, as I might point to you out in the third place, we, knew, we know that help is present. And our catechism, again, leads us in the way of applying for this help. And it puts the prayer actually right on our lips. Do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes. Now, dear people, you and I, we must recognize that this is a spiritual warfare that we are engaged in waging. And if we are going to wage such spiritual warfare by God's help, we must be dressed accordingly. If in regular warfare, you do not go out in your house coat with slippers on, neither can you engage in any spiritual warfare in such a fashion. Spiritual warfare, it demands as you go into the battle of temptation, it demands that you dress properly that you dress as God wants you to be dressed. We're therefore told to put on the whole armor of God, which according to Ephesians 6 is, as you know already, a belt of truth around you, breastplate of righteousness covering you, feet that fit well to bring the gospel, a shield of faith that is in front of you, a helmet of salvation on your head, and a sword of the Spirit, namely the Word of God in your fighting hands. Help is present for you on the battlefield of temptation, and that help is present in that whole armor of God that you are called to put on. And dear people, are you ready, therefore, for such spiritual warfare as you stand on the battlefield of temptation? Have you availed yourself already of the help that is present in that whole armor of God? Are you born again? Are you born again and in possession of that belt of truth and that breastplate of righteousness and that helmet of salvation? Do you stand firm in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, holding on to the faith in Christ, utilizing that word of God as the sword of the Spirit? Are you spiritually prepared, dear people, to tackle all three of those mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and your own flesh? If you are a true believer, you should be all that and more, because you should also, even as you are in battle, be busy praying, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, Holy Spirit, Help me, preserve me, and strengthen me. And therefore, my fellow believers, your help on the battlefield of temptation is very much present in your spiritual armor, in your manner of praying, the sixth petition, 
and then also in the very person of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Just think of what he has gone through. He was led into temptation, and being well prepared, he, Jesus Christ, fought a good fight. During his ministry on earth, he often had the devil scurrying to get away from Christ's holy power. And we know that the world and the flesh got no hold on him. The greatest battle was fought, after all, on the cross, where he again was led into temptation when others called out to him, come down from the cross if you are the Christ, the Son of God. But he didn't call for that temptation. And then we know also that his heavenly Father withdrew from him as well. And he, as the Savior of sinners, fought the battle all alone. But he won. He won. He won the battle. And not only for himself, but also for all those who have come to believe in him. This is why when we speak of of waging spiritual warfare in the battlefield of temptation, I may in the fourth place also say we rejoice that the victory is sure. You know, the, the concluding words of the Lord's Prayer make this abundantly clear, doesn't it? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You see, there are people. We must engage in spiritual warfare because it will be for your and my spiritual good, you see. But we can also engage with good courage as well. Even as we are engaged in such spiritual warfare, the battle is not lost. In principle, the battle is won already. Jesus Christ, as our Savior, has already won this victory. And this became apparent, after all, when he rose from the dead and when he ascended into heaven. From that moment on, he is our declared king. We can therefore say triumphantly, with this particular doxology of the Lord's Prayer, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And as such, this particular battle cry, even you and I can call out this battle cry, even as we stand on the battlefield of temptation, and that in the full armor of God, we can raise our sword, so to speak, and lift up our voice in praise to the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ. And we can say praises to him for yours, Jesus Christ. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And therefore, my fellow believers, do not be afraid to wage this spiritual warfare. The kingdom, after all, is Christ's, and so is the power. It's his, and he will give you whatever you need so that you will not be defeated. And therefore, put on the full armor of God. Keep praying. Keep resisting this threefold enemy. And as you do, you will not be defeated by temptations. In fact, there will come a time there will come a time when the battle is over and you will be in glory with Christ because his is not only the kingdom and the power but also the glory as well. 
Therefore, fight the good fight of faith. You will not be defeated. And this is sure, this is certain, you see. And that little word, amen, spells that out beautifully. As our Heidelberg Catechism concludes for us, it shall truly and certainly be, for my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I feel in my heart that I desire these things of Him. Amen. 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 May God give us all that and more, dear people. And by this series of the Lord's Prayer has come to an end. And dear congregation, it was a joy and a privilege for me to go through this series with you. And so I'm going to do something that is a little bit unusual. Normally, we would have a prayer of thanksgiving. And this also is a prayer of thanksgiving. But I am going to use the answers in Lord's Day 47 up to Lord's Day 52 as our prayer. Perhaps you have never realized it, but all those answers, when you put them together, formulate one beautiful prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer with you and conclude that as a thanksgiving prayer. I will insert our Father once in a while, but this is our prayer. So let us then engage in prayer. Our Father in heaven, grant us first rightly to know you and to sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which your power, wisdom, goodness, justice, mercy, and truth are clearly displayed and further also, that we may so order and direct our whole lives, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name may never be blasphemed, but rather honored and praised on our account. Father, rule us so by your word and spirit, that we may submit ourselves more and more to you. Preserve and increase your church. Destroy the works of the devil and all violence which would exalt itself against you and also all wicked counsels devised against your holy word, till the full perfection of your kingdom take place, wherein you shall be all in all. Grant that we and all men may renounce our own will, and without murmuring obey your will, which is only good, that so everyone may attend to and perform the duties of his station and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels do in heaven. Father, be pleased to provide us with all things necessary for the body, that we may thereby acknowledge you to be the only fountain of all good, and that neither our care nor industry nor even your gifts can profit us without your blessings, and therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it alone in you. Father, be pleased for the sake of Christ's blood, not to impute to us, poor sinners, our transgressions, nor that depravity which always cleaves to us, even as we feel this evidence in, of your grace in us, that it is our firm resolution from the heart to forgive our neighbor, our Father. Since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, 
ceased not to assault us. Do therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain complete victory. Our Father, all these we ask of you, because you, being our King and Almighty, are willing and able to give us all good, and all this we pray for, that thereby not we, but your holy name be, may be glorified forever. Amen.